Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. If you've been following our Growing Deep series, uh, you know that we've been focused intensively on discipleship, the idea of being a disciple in Jesus Christ. We've been going over that for probably the past six months and uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ more than just somebody who pursues Jesus or knows Jesus, but is becoming a mature mother or father in the faith. Uh, we can look at people in the, through the lens of much, much like uh, individual development or physical maturity. You have an infant, uh, you have childhood, you have adolescence, and then you have adulthood or maturity. And spirituality is very similar in that way, that you can have an infant in Christ, somebody who is very new in their faith. You can have somebody much like a child who is just exploring their faith, kind of getting their feet underneath them. They're learning and discovering new things. But, but still, when you think of a child, it's somebody who uh, relationally is still underdeveloped. Uh, their view of the world is very narrow and small. It centers around just kind of themselves. And so there's... Uh, many other attributes or characteristics of somebody who is, we would say, is uh, a child or in childhood. Uh, similarly, when we think about an, somebody who's an adolescent in their teen years, uh, they're gaining in knowledge, their world is becoming bigger, but oftentimes they lack the experience to match up with their knowledge and what they, what they know. And so it's during that time of adolescence, oftentimes we feel like we have a lot of answers but sometimes our answers don't actually fit the life circumstance. If you've had a teenager in your home, you know that uh, it's a time where they're testing boundaries and they're trying things out. And you still can identify areas of growth that need to happen. Then we move on to adulthood or maturity. And when we think about somebody who's truly an adult, a, a mature individual, we see characteristics in their life that they can think independently. They can... Uh, address their life circumstances. They don't need a lot of propped up support around them. While they have uh, input from others in their life, they're not dependent on a lot of people for their life to work. And so it is spiritually when we think about spiritual maturity and discipleship. This is the direction that we've been going, is that it's not just an age thing. You don't become mature just by being older. For instance, I'm now over 50 years old. I've been around the church for a number of years. But the idea is that I'm not mature just because of my age or because I've been around the church a long time. Spiritual maturity takes intentional discipleship, intentional growth. In fact, uh, I've known and maybe you've known individuals who have been around the church for 20 plus years and instead of being a mature Christian of 20 plus years in discipleship, they're actually more like a one-year-old Christian 20 times over. They have failed to mature over those 20 years. They're, they're still maybe a spiritual child or maybe some even an infant. They haven't really grown in their faith. So it's not about an age thing. It's also not about a title. Uh, in fact, I as a pastor, I've known individuals with titles of pastor and, and position, who even though they carry a spiritual title, they still lack spiritual maturity. They oftentimes will become angry or frustrated with people 
bullying people and pushing people away in, in their life. And instead of leaning into their relationship with Jesus Christ, instead of growing the fruit of the Spirit in their life, they use their leadership position to enforce their will and their way upon people. And, and so age doesn't make somebody mature. A title doesn't make somebody mature. No, it's, it's only time with Jesus, intentional growth in discipleship with Jesus Christ that can make somebody mature in their, in their faith. So let me emphasize this point, and it's from this point that we talk about spiritual maturity. Maturity in Christ is revealed when I face pressure, hardship, accusation, or persecution, and the outgrowth of my life is still the fruit of the Spirit. Let me say it again, just so it's clear. Maturity in Christ is revealed when I face pressure, hardship, accusation, or persecution, and the outgrowth or the fruit of my life is still the fruit of the Spirit. I can say that I have great maturity or that I'm mature in my faith and in my relationship with God, but if I'm pressed, and I lose my self-control, if I'm pressed and I'm not loving, I become angry and, and bullying towards other people, then maybe I'm not really as mature as I would like to see myself or I perceive myself to be. Uh, the scripture in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it tells us that we are, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, when we're walking in maturity, the outgrowth of that life is the fruit of the Spirit. It's like a tree that's been dormant. And right now, as I'm delivering this message, it's springtime in the Grand Valley. And so we are seeing all kinds of buds show up on trees, flowers start appearing. Um, it is that spring is, is starting to show the fruit of the trees that, and shrubs that for months have been dormant. Uh, you've, we've just seen sticks, a lot of brown and gray here in the valley, but right now we're starting to see things just explode with color and with fruit that's coming out. So we really understand this idea of fruit on a tree that shows the type of tree that it is. And that's really what we're talking about with Galatians uh, 5, 22 and 23. Here's what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow, I mean, would you look at that list? I know it's on the screen here as I'm, I'm speaking, uh, but this is intense. I look at it and I just think, you know, Lord, are you serious? This is what you want to have come out of our life when we're under pressure, when we're facing hardship, when we're being slandered in some way or life is not going well for us? This is the fruit that's supposed to show up in my life, even when I'm quarantined with my family, even if I live alone and I have unlimited access to movies and the internet, even when the government is making mandates that make absolutely no sense to me personally, even if I've been furloughed or laid off from my employment, I'm supposed to still bear this type of fruit? I think the question most of us would come to is, come on, is that even realistic? <laughs> is that something we could, should even expect of ourselves to bear that type of fruit out of our life? But I want to share with you that Jesus Christ thinks it's not only realistic, he's made it very possible for you and I to live that type of life and demonstrate that type of fruit or that type of character in our life when we're under pressure, even especially when we're under pressure. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a challenging list, but it is the call of every believer in Jesus Christ, every follower, every disciple, to bear, to show out that type of fruit in their life, those character traits in their life. Not just when things are working well, not just when uh, the paycheck is coming, the relationships are really working well, when I'm doing the things in life that I most enjoy, but just the opposite, it's when life is difficult for us, that's what we know where our maturity level is in Christ. This is the picture, that type of fruit, somebody who can show that in the most difficult of circumstances, this is the picture of a mature disciple in Jesus, a person who puts on display the fruit of the Spirit, especially when life is most difficult. Now, if you're like me, you're seeing that list and you're hearing me uh, talk about it, you're thinking, well, I've got some work to do. And that's, my hand is raised, I'm there with you. We, we all have work to do when it comes to that list. Uh, so, so often what surfaces in me when difficulty comes, anger, frustration, I can become withdrawn, I can um, experience self-loathing, I can turn to isolation, binge behaviors, uh, and self-protection. So all of these, we could say, especially during these times, we can slip into those. And maybe some of you have. I've found myself at times being frustrated and, and misplacing my anger towards uh, other situations or other people in this time. But here's the truth that God speaks over you. Here's the truth out of God's word. He, sa word is that he says, yes, you're not perfect in this yet, but you are being transformed. You are capable of living this out through the power of the Holy Spirit. God believes in his work in you enough to not give up hope in you. He believes that you can live this out. And I'm convinced of it too. And I believe that uh, as we look at the scriptures this morning, this will become more clear to us. So this has been our focus. Growing deep is about spiritual maturity and growing into the type of spiritual mothers and fathers that help shape the culture of the church and in turn help shape the culture of our community around us. Instead of being influenced by everything around us, we are influencers of the grace and wisdom of God, of the love of Jesus Christ to those around us in our immediate community, but also those in the world around us. So I know this is an immersive introduction. I'm covering a lot of ground that we've gone over the past six months. Uh, but let me do a quick recap of the topics or the focal points that we have, have addressed since October when we went into this, this series. Uh, we first talked about growing deep beneath the surface. And so this idea is that we're dealing with issues, not just on exterior things of our life, not just kind of dressing up, putting a, a coat of paint over our lives, but it's really dealing with the stuff that's in our heart, the stuff that has to do with the formation of attitude and behaviors that, that shape us. And so we've said what, what is beneath the surface is we recognize that we have been influenced We've been influenced by the culture around us. We've been influenced by the way that we were brought up, our families of origin. Uh, we've been influenced by earthquake events, things that are very traumatic in the past that have happened in our lives. Uh, we've been influenced through grief and loss, and, and not just death, but grief and loss in a 
wide lens view in the sense that there are a lot of hundreds of different losses and things that we grieve over the course of a lifetime. And, and so this idea is that we face those, a mature follower of Christ faces those issues that are beneath the surface instead of sweeping them off to the side and saying, well, I, you know, I'm a new creation in Christ. None of that stuff matters anymore. I can just move on and it doesn't affect me. No. A mature follower of Christ says, I'm going to deal with the stuff that's beneath the surface of my life, and I'm going to allow God to use it for his glory and for his good purposes to help reshape me into the image of Jesus. The other thing that we mentioned about growing deep is that we want to live a slowed down spirituality. When everything around us is buzzing and at a hum and it is moving and, and life is going at a pace that we can't keep up, that we are called to live a life similar to the life that Jesus lived. You'll remember in the scriptures that multiple times crowds gathered around and they pressed in and there were miracles that were happening. There were feedings of masses amounts of people. And at those moments, the people around Jesus says, let's do more of this. They were encouraging, let's, let's see this happen at an even greater rate, a greater clip go out, let's do more miracles. And it was at those points when Jesus was most pressed by the people around him that it was just amazing that Jesus had this great capacity to withdraw, to come back and say, I need to spend time with my Father at these moments. And so a slow down spirituality says we're not going to be pressed by the circumstances around us. We're not going to allow life be dictated by everything around us, but instead, our living for Jesus needs to come out of our being with Jesus. We can't do stuff for God unless we've spent time with God. Otherwise, it's a lot of Christian and maybe good activity, but it doesn't really have the impact that it could have if we aren't in compared to when we're spending time with God. When we're spending time with him and then our doing comes out of that, we're living at a slower pace to make sure that our life flows from our time with God. Growing deep also means that we are part of a healthy community, and healthy community means that we value the diversity within the body of Christ, that we value generational differences, that we value ethnic differences, that we value uh, that we are all created in the image of God, and that it's just not one type of person. There's just not one color of person. There's not one, uh, it's not just one age group that is uh, dominant within the kingdom. But instead, that as the church, we embrace this idea of every tribe, every tongue, every nation glorifying God. And it's, it's when we have this value, it's when we celebrate and we look at that the kingdom of God and, and the community of God is most healthy when we embrace one another and our unique differences, because that makes up the whole body of Christ. This is what heaven looks like. It tells us in Revelation that there will be people from every tribe, nation, and tongue worshiping Jesus in heaven. And so we just say, we don't wanna wait till we get to heaven before we experience that. We want to experience that now, the kingdom of God come here in our midst. And then the last thing that we focused on, the part of the series that we focused on was about around passionate marriages and singleness. And, and this idea comes from that we don't elevate one or the other. In fact, what we say is that God accomplishes his mission through our marriage, or, and God accomplishes his mission through our singleness, if we're single. It's not in spite of, or it's not that God has to work around marriage or singleness. No, th those places that we're at 
are part of our calling. They are part of where we're at, and so God wants to accomplish his mission and his purpose through marriage and through singleness, not in spite of it. So we celebrate that. We protect those relationships as sacred to us. If you're married, that married relationship, that uh, relationship you have with your spouse, your husband or your wife is sacred. And so you protect it because you know that God is going to speak through your spouse, that God is going to work through the life of your spouse and in your union together, that he is going to accomplish his purposes. If you're single, it's those close relationships you have of family and close friends that those aren't optional relationships, those are critical to your health and to the mission of God in your life. And so we don't elevate marriage or elevate singleness one over the other. We hold them both before the Lord and we just say they are, uh, both marriage and singleness are critical part of how God ministers and accomplishes his purposes. Well, that's a, a quick uh, recap of the past six months, and I know it's a mouthful or an earful, mouthful for me and earful for you. So I apologize, but I, I feel like it was necessary to be able to kind of recap where we've been since it's been such a, a while since we've gone through some of those topics. Today, I want to do a brief introduction to our final area of discipleship that we're going to focus on. Being a disciple of Jesus means I'm part of a kingdom of priests. So it's this idea that there is a kingdom of priests. There's, there's not uh, clergy and laity. There, there's not the priesthood and, and then the parishioner. We don't divide out God's kingdom into those who minister and those who don't. No, just the opposite. In fact, we are a kingdom of priests in God's view, in God's eyes. And so that's going to be the topic that we're going to focus on for the next few weeks is that as part of God's kingdom, as a disciple, as I follow him, that I am part of a kingdom of priests. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, but before we get there, let me open us in a word of prayer uh, before we look at the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, as it is our practice, we come to you <clears throat> before we open the scriptures. We come to you and we just say we trust that you will speak to us through your word. We trust that the scriptures will come alive, not just to our hearing, but into our spirit, and it will help shape us and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so we bless your word, and we invite you to speak to us through it. Uh, we let down our own defenses. We let down uh, our own bias. In, in some of these areas, and we just say, Holy Spirit, speak to us, instruct us through the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, the scripture passage is 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to begin with verse 1. Um, this is, 1 Peter is such a great portion of scripture uh, for us, and, and so I want to encourage you to delve into the book of 1 Peter. It's only five chapters. And so while I'm going through these series of messages starting this week, uh, I would encourage you start from 1 uh, Peter chapter 1 and read through those five chapters. And uh, I, th I think it'll have a lot of insight for you as we go through uh, this particular series. But for this message that we're looking at right now, I'm looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that it, by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There's so much that we're going to spend time with uh, in this chapter two. Uh, so, but today, for today's message, we're really looking at the first three verses. So again, I encourage you, look through the book of First Peter, read through the five chapters, uh, but again, focusing on First Peter chapter two uh, for today's message. Allow me to make a couple observations about what it takes to become this priesthood that Peter is saying that we are. This priesthood of God, this kingdom priesthood that we are called to become. As with our faith in Christ, it's, there's a two-edged sword to this. There's two faces to this, maybe as a way of saying that, is that we are a priesthood, but we're also becoming a priesthood. You know that that's true of our faith in Christ and our salvation. We are holy, but we're also becoming holy. We are completely in the image of Christ. We are belong to him and we are Jesus people, and yet we're also becoming more like him. So there is kind of this both and tension. It's not an either or. We are this, we are a priesthood, but we're also becoming this priesthood. And so individually, but also together. It's an incredible thing that God does with his people, with us as his followers, is that our faith is both individual, but it's also seen in light of community. It's very personal, but it's also very much global in the sense that it's not just about one, it's about the we, the us of the church. It's our individualistic culture that often will spin this idea and it focuses more on the individual but not on the group as a whole. And I wanna caution us as we're thinking about this to only think that if we only think in terms of individualistic perspective of our faith, we're really missing a big part of what it is and, and how it is to be a part of God's community, to be part of a community of faith. In our culture, we would spin it 
the other way around. We'd say, it's about me so I can address the issues within Scripture if I want and how I want. And then I can also decide if I want to be a part of God's community and I, I want to connect it to others who follow with Christ. Do you catch the nuance there? It's, we leave it very much, we tend to leave it very much a part of our decision making. If I want to follow this, how I want to follow it, and if I want it to be part of a larger community. However, the way that God addresses it is much different. He reverses it from that. He says you are part of a larger community and because you're part of the body of Christ, the larger uh, body of Christ, therefore you need to exercise your faith in this way. To affirm your own faith, you have to recognize that you're part of a larger community first. So where we would start with the individual and say, I'm going to choose if I'm going to connect that to a larger group, God doesn't see it through that lens. He says, you are part of a larger group and therefore this is how it connects to you as an individual. Here's how you become that together, how you become that community, how you become that priesthood. So it makes sense then that as Peter is addressing the church in this passage of scripture. He begins chapter two, not by talking about what it means to just be the priesthood. He begins by talking about you and I as individuals and how we need to relate to one another. Verses one and two, let me reread those two verses. It says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants, Long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So look at the way that Peter points this out under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, if you're going to grow up in the Lord, it can't just be about you. It's about your relationship to other people. It's the way that you're living in community with one another. There is no body of Christ without us being a part of it together. You can't be a part of the body unless you're connected with the body. And there is no body if we just divide it out and make it about a bunch of individuals. No, it's, see, Peter is saying, if you're going to become a kingdom of priests, if you're going to become this community who serves God together, then we begin by looking at our relationships and how we relate to one another. You're going to have to walk it out with other people in relationship to other people. You can't have an individual faith unless it's part of a community of faith. That's the nature of the Christian community. Now, let me clarify, that doesn't mean everybody's your bestie. That doesn't mean everybody in the church uh, you have to be in great terms with and want to spend uh, an entire weekend or be quarantined with for that matter. Uh, no, it, it just means that we can't be divided. We can't section out by having walls and divisions within the body of Christ, the church. As Christians, we are called to live in unity, in oneness with one another. Again, that doesn't mean that there aren't uh, uh, conflicts. That doesn't mean that there aren't difficulties that we have to work through. Quite the contrary. It means that we have those, but we don't allow conflict. We don't allow differences of opinion or different approaches uh, to life or even to faith to cause divisions among us. 
unfortunately, <laughs> that's not how it actually plays out. There are a lot of divisions within the church, at the, just as there were when Peter wrote this. In fact, that's why he wrote it, is because there were divisions within the church, and Peter was saying, listen, you have to work this out if you're going to become the people that God is calling you to be. I need you to be able to understand how to walk in relationship with one another because the body of Christ doesn't function when it's divided within itself. It's much like the human body. I was thinking about a comparison. And if we were going to compare how this looks in terms of body functions, it's kind of like having an autoimmune disease. So the way the immune system works is that it's supposed to fight against external things that come against the body and try to break it down. What an autoimmune disease does is it doesn't read uh, the threats correctly, and so it starts fighting against itself. And so it works so hard at fighting against itself that it actually doesn't have the energy to focus on external threats. There's so much time spent fighting against things that it shouldn't be fighting against that there's no time, energy, or focus then to focus on external things. And so an individual who has an autoimmune disease actually can be threatened by a cold or threatened by something that many of us who don't have an autoimmune disease can ward off quite easily. You know that this is actually a great com comparison or a great analogy or illustration of what happens within the church is that there far too often, instead of working at breaking down things that divide us, working and at reconciling with one another, Far too often we are focused and we allow these divisions, we allow uh, infighting within the body of Christ to exist without addressing this issue of reconciliation, that we're so busy doing that that we're not addressing threats that are coming to one another, we're fighting against one another. If you want any chance of growing up in God, if you want to really have a chance of becoming a mature follower of Jesus, you and I have to be the type of people that work towards reconciliation to others who are followers of Christ so that we can really address those things that are detrimental to our soul. We can really spend the time working against and fighting against those things that Peter would be addressing in the Gospels, the immorality, the things that are trying to draw your and my attention away from God. And we can have that energy only when we stop focusing on our fighting with one another. This question, how are we going to fight against the enemy of our soul if we're fixated on fighting other Christians? That's such a challenging question for every one of us, for me, for you. How much time do we spend fighting and, and instead of reconciling with one another? And to the degree that we're fighting with one another is the degree that we're losing time fighting against the enemy of our soul and we're losing time developing in our own maturity. Again, that doesn't mean that we don't have conflicts. That doesn't mean that uh, we don't face challenges. It doesn't mean that everybody within the church, the body of Christ is going to be our best friend. But what it does mean is that we need to work towards reconciliation. We need to work towards breaking down divisions and anger and, and separating out the body in ways that are unhealthy. Because a healthy kingdom, a healthy priesthood of all believers means that we are 
one in the spirit, each accomplishing what God has called us to do individually so that we contribute together to become the body of Christ. If I spend too much time looking at other people's faults, if I'm so fixated on what other people aren't doing for God or how they're doing it incorrectly, I will miss a great opportunity for God to speak to me about my own life and how he wants to work things out and work out this salvation in my life. When I'm growing up, here's what's happening, is I'm looking for that spiritual food that's going to feed me and help me become more like the image of Christ, grow more into the person who God is calling me to be. So here's the second thing that Peter identifies in this passage of scripture. It's in verse three. He says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. So this is the assumption that Peter is making. One, he is making uh, an encouragement, some instruction, build towards unity, work towards unity. Secondly, he's saying, why would you do this? Why is it important to focus on this? He's making an assumption. He's saying, if if you have found that you have found life in God, if, if you have discovered that knowing God is a blessing to you and you are experiencing the joy that comes with a relationship with God, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, then you're going to want to do this. So he's making an assumption. He says, listen, you're going to do these things and work towards unity. Why are you going to do it? Because you've tasted that God is good to you. You've experienced the life that God has for you. And if you want to go deeper in that, if you want to go farther with God than you've ever gone before, then you need to take those steps to begin to reconcile to others in the body of Christ. You need to work not towards being overly critical of others, but coming alongside others and asking them how you can help them grow in their walk with Christ. The assumption is this, that if you know God, you want more of what he has. <laughs> if you've experienced his kindness and his mercy, you're going to pursue him more. You're not going to be passive. You're not going to just receive whatever comes your way. You're going to pursue what it is that God has for you. I've found over the past couple weeks that I've spent an inordinate amount of time going through cabinets and opening my refrigerator. <laughs> A little too much time on my hand, and what do I do? I drift towards the kitchen, I pull open the cabinet, not because it's time to eat, not because I'm hungry, but because it's there. And so I just open up with the cabinet and I just think, is there something here? Is there anything that could just fill my belly? Bag of popcorn, some chips, uh, open up the refrigerator, anything left over that I just wanna eat from last night's meal. <laughs> If you've been there, it's that situation where you'll basically just take anything that is available to you. You're not looking for nourishment. You're not looking to be filled up. You're just looking for something that'll pacify you through that time. If you're intentional, you have an objective in going to the fridge. You have something in mind that you need to eat to fuel your body and to help you get through the day. This is a great picture of what we're talking about here is that if you've experienced the love of God, if you've experienced the, the life that God wants to bring to you, then you're not passive about your spiritual life. You're not passive about what you put into your life. No, you're, you're vigilant, you're intentional about what it means to follow Christ. You don't just take anything that comes along your pathway and feed on it and allow it to feed your soul. No, if you wanna grow up, you move from whatever is just being handed to you to becoming very intentional about what it is that you're putting into and you're feasting upon your life spiritually. 
This is such an important step if we're going to grow up. Because if we're passive, we just take whatever comes down the road. We become critical of others. We, we look at their life through this lens of they're not doing it right or they need to fix their life or they need to change how they're addressing their life. But we're not serious about our own life. We're overly passive about the way we approach ourselves. And so Peter, as he's addressing the church in this passage of scripture, uh, he's giving these encouragements, and I want to pass these two encouragements uh, to you for your reflection. First of all, uh, how have your relationships with others affected your view of the body of Christ, of the church? Do you feel like an individual who attends a church, or do you feel connected uh, to God's people, part of his body? Do you feel like you end up with more walls and divisions than you would like? Do you feel separated from the body of Christ or do you feel connected and part of it? Well, if you feel more divided than you feel connected, uh, I invite you to pray this prayer that we have up uh, on the screen. Heavenly Father, I have difficulty connecting with Christians, your church. I see and hear things that I don't like and I spend too much time either avoiding or fighting against what other Christians are doing. I ask you to increase my love for your church, your people. Help me to understand my part in getting rid of divisions in your body. Help me as I work to talk less about the faults of your people and more about who we're becoming in you. Lord, I invite you to help me become a, become a reconciler and builder within your church. Amen. Secondly, if here's another encouragement or challenge I put before you. If you're still craving spiritual food, and you're just accepting whatever is brought along uh, your direction, if you're not being intentional, but you're just passive about it, you haven't really focused in on what is it that's needed for me to grow in my faith, then here's a prayer that I think you could pray that would help you to see that change in your life. Lord, I confess that I'm far too often passive about my spiritual life. I'm eating without discernment, I fill up on spirituality that does little for my growth instead of pressing deeper into silence, stillness, study of scripture, and sacrificial acts of service and giving. I don't want to be passive or immature in my faith. I want to grow up in you, Lord. So I commit myself to be more attentive to what my discipleship needs for growth because I've tasted life with you and I say that it's good and I want more of it. Amen. Well, there's, those are two different prayers that uh, I would encourage you if you find yourself in either of those or possibly both of those uh, directions, then uh, just say that simple prayer and then commit yourself to follow through with it. Commit yourself to being a reconciler within the body. Commit yourself not to passivity, but to spiritual growth and seeking God for what he wants for you instead of just being passive about it. Thank you for watching today. I believe that the Lord will bless you and encourage you as you pursue him. I'm looking forward to this series. I believe that God has much to speak to us through this study in 1 Peter. And as we look at this idea of becoming this uh, spiritual kingdom of priests, uh, I believe that God will open the door for us to see not just who our calling is, but who we are identified to. Jesus, our high priest, and we in his image 
are called to be priests within his kingdom. The Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you and may his favor rest upon you. God bless. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.